Eating's ravenous 50% off eaters and WFH is cripplingly panicked by the inevitable return to public transport. And welcome to bloody episode 9 of the Bad Things Podcast, where we promise staunch regulation but end up pumping out utter entertainment tripe into the Gulf of Mexico. My name is Nathan Packham, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host at Cockrock Anorak, Jacob Simmons. Generic salutations <laughs> to you, Jacob, and welcome to our final single-figure episode of the Bad Things main canon. Generic salutations, Nathan, but I think that's got to be your best intro yet. I very much Thank enjoyed you. being described as a Cockrock Anorak. Uh, that might be my new Twitter bio going forward uh also i love the fact that you included the uh, the help the eat out to help out discount even though that is now going to be wildly out of date when this episode comes out well they should have extended it shouldn't they? <laughs> should have done it for another month nathan sticking his flag in the ground this is the official bad things political campaign for an extra month of of wild discounts vote green um <laughs> Uh, that's not actually an official endorsement. That was just me being glib. Um, so, uh, music is back on the agenda today after Hitler burst onto the scene uh, for Heil Honey, I'm Home. Jacob, what have the Bad Things Universe chosen for us to review today? Yes, we're moving away from the world of Nazi Germany and we're moving into uh, another very interesting time in the history of the Western world. Uh, the turn of the millennium in the United States of America and the phenomenon that was known as rap rock. We're looking at one of the forerunners of the genre and one of its most controversial acts as well. Their biggest selling album ever. This is Limp Biscuit with chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavoured water from the year 2000. Yes, it's time for Fred Durst to finally rear his ugly rhymes here on Bad Things. We deep dive into the 70-minute-plus rap rock hocus. Hocus? Hocus. Yeah, why not? Chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavoured water. But first, it's time for the infamous prehistory segment. And I'm handing over to Jacob to provide a much more competent history of a tradition steeped in conventional masculinity in in a segment I'm calling... Angry young men seem uncertain whether to vote for Donald Trump or Caroline Lloyd. <laughs> let's talk rap rock. Indeed, let's talk rap rock. Uh, Nate, just before we get started, Nathan, um, <laughs> you're, I, I think you're just a bit too young for the rap rock phenomenon, but your brother's older than you. So I think he's probably the perfect age for rap rock. So did you have any exposure through him growing up? Was he into this sort of thing? I think he hates this stuff. So <laughs> oh, okay. I, apart apart from in a wrestling context, yeah. I think he hates this stuff. He no, he was more of a punk rock right. guy. So yeah. uh, this uh, this alt right stuff was not really his <laughs> bag. Well, some of it's alt right, some of it's not. We'll get into that a bit later. Um, but well, so Wikipedia has a dedicated page to rap rock. Um, and it cites one of the earliest examples of the genre to be a track by the Animals called Year of the Guru. Is this a song you've heard? No. <laughs> it's. I don't think it was a single or anything. Um, I had to listen to it, and I think there's probably an argument for it. I think we could play a bit of it in of it now and let the listeners decide for themselves whether they think this is a precursor to rap rock. 
My leader told me to jump in the river. The river was deep and the weather was winter. After a sailor very kindly saved me, my leader said to me, man, you better take it easy. I took it so easy, my leader called me lazy. Everything was getting hazy. Friends looked at me and said, Man, you gotta be crazy. Now, unfortunately, I don't know enough about the history of hip hop to say whether this is the first rap rock song. I don't know what was before it, I don't know what was. Uh, around the same time, I don't quite know when. Um, what's his name? The the guy that did the revolution will be televised. The revolution will not be televised. Revolution. Will, that, that, that's Gil, the one. Gil, Gil Scott Herring. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, he's cited as one of the first uh, hip hop uh, acts. Uh, I don't. I think he was probably around this time. I don't know. Uh, apparently, he, he's yeah, seventy. Yeah, sixty-nine, seventy. That's it. Yeah, I think this track is sixty-nine. Um, apparently, according to Wikipedia, "I Want to Be Your Dog" by the Stooges is rap rock. <laughs> it just isn't. <laughs> it's just, it's just punk. Like I don't know what they were thinking there. Um, but apparently, the big year for rap rock was nineteen eighty-four, with releases from the likes of Run DMC, The Beastie Boys, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and LL Cool J all featuring the art form. The LA Cool J song is a track called Rock the Bells, uh, which samples ACDC's Back in Black, which is a huge sign that hip-hop artists were starting to see rock music as a viable option for collaboration. Although, I did have a listen to this song as well. The sample is one chord. LL Cool J is hard as hell. Battle anybody, I don't care, you tell. I excel, they all fail. Gonna cancel double L, Right. <laughs> it's like, it's just one chord of the Back in Black riff. If somebody hadn't told me it was Back in Black, I would not have said it was Back in Black. So again, uh, take that with a pinch of salt. Um, but the one thing I can say for certain is the man at the centre of the movement is an absolute legend in the world of music producing. Nathan, you must have heard of Rick Rubin. Yes, Jacob, I have heard of Rick Rubin, a uh, divisive figure in music production because of the whole loudness wars movement um, what's, that, what's that exactly because i don't really know i just know uh, so uh sort of the cd generation uh I, this is I'm, I'm not i'm not a technical guy but uh that ticking the, noise the, yeah that, uh, there we go that ticking noise again um the loud so the obviously the louder the music the less the dynamic range so um he was sort of part of a movement that increased the loudness but reduced i guess what you would call the quote-unquote quality of the music okay um but obviously like production wise he's unbelievable he did yeezus with Kanye really? West. that was him yeah oh okay. yeah that's him because i get rick uh, rubin and rick ross confused quite a lot of the time oh, that is quite that's quite some confusion they're very different people i know that but they're both <laughs> sort of hip-hop producers and they're both called rick <laughs> so yeah. i know they are if i saw pictures of them i wouldn't get them confused obviously but they are um yeah I, I don't know why that is because Rick Ross is the J. He does a lot of stuff with Jay Z, doesn't he? Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I asked you to be honest. But Sorry. Yeah. Um, um, Rick yeah, Rubin so Rick... has also produced Shakira. Which is <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> well, that's that's of course uh, her album was the birth of rap rock, as we know. Um, yeah, but Rick Rubin is, is produced for guys like the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, and Public Enemy. Uh, who will come up a bit later on, and founded the uh, influential hip-hop label Def Jam Records in 1984. Um, I think 
for me, because I've actually done when I did a when I did a student radio show, I actually did a show on the origins of rap rock, and the song that we started with is arguably the best-known rap rock song, definitely the first to achieve mainstream success, and we're going to hear a bit of it now because it's absolutely awesome. It's Run DMC featuring Aerosmith, and it's Walk This Way. Now, Nathan, we ran Walk This Way by Aerosmith, the original, as part of our Corp Rock tournament, and I think it was knocked out quite decisively in the first round. Uh, What do you think of this Run DMC version of the song? Horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Just just have nothing good to say about Walk This Way. What? Um, Even the the Run DMC version? Yeah, I I just find it like... We're going to talk about this a lot, but it's two really garish genres being mm. brought together <laughs> and uh, just doesn't do a thing for me at oh, all. Wow. Uh, feels a bit gimmicky in this instance as well. Very mm. MTV based <laughs> decision. Yeah. I mean, the music video is, uh, is well, MTV was was did start in 1983, 1982. So this would have come out right at the, um, the start of its popularity. And the music video is, uh, is I must say, a very good music video. Um, well, in my opinion, anyway, I really like this song. I think it's an absolute classic. Uh, and it was the first rap rock song to achieve mainstream success and to have crossover appeal to fans of both genres. Then we had tracks like 1991's Bring the Noise, which was a collaboration between thrash metal giants Anthrax and the aforementioned Public Enemy. And as the 90s progressed, hip hop and its attitudes began to really ingrain themselves in the public conscious. The idea of rebellion and anti establishment began to go more mainstream. And we got bands like, and Nathan specifically asked me to talk about these guys, <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. album is so good I don't okay so why do you like Rage Against the Machine but not a lot of the other sort of contemporaries um is it because they're left wing it it could be that uh (laughs) also the heavy funk element I think is probably plays into Hmm. my love of well the I've listened to the other two albums as well I just don't think they're anywhere near as good as the first one Hmm. um Killing in the name. What what more is there to say really about that song? Um, also, probably my all time favorite Rage song, "Take the Power Back" oh, as well, yeah. which is a this is a full out funk metal song. If you're mm. ever gonna ever gonna hear one, yeah, take, um, take the power I'll, back is phenomenal. Love that song. Yeah, uh, just a, a lot of love and a lot of memories around that album. Like the day I went to HMV and bought that <laughs> album, and also "Nevermind" by Nirvana. How different <laughs> things could have been. You had a very 90s day there, Nathan. I bet that was in I like did. 2007. That was 2010, oh, I want to say. Or wow. like 9 or 10, I think 10. <laughs> 
Incredible. Yeah, that first album, uh, self-titled, just called Rage Against the Machine. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's got, yeah, Take the Power Back, Killing in the Name, Bullet in the Head is quite good as well. Um, well worth a listen, regardless of whether you like the genre or not. Uh, and our boys Limp Biscuit sort of came in the next wave of rap rock after Rage Against the Machine. They were sort of the mid-90s, mid to late-90s. Uh, and they helped take rap rock to the next level alongside acts like Faith No More, P.O.D. and another act that Nathan asked me to mention, Kid Rock. Yeah, Kid Rock sucks, doesn't he, really? Like, <laughs> I just think he's so ridiculous that he hmm. deserves a mention. Oh, he's um, awful. He's just a bad person. Have you heard the song Cocky? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, that's that's quite a, that's sort of what I might put on if I'm feeling a bit trashy. <laughs> um, Lonely Road of Faith, oh, which my... is another wrestling song. How do you know so much about Kid Rock? Because I don't know, because he's just a, a ridiculous figure. So obviously I was drawn to him. Um, Wasn't he married uh, to? Was he married to Pamela Anderson or something like that? No, that that was Tommy Lee. That was it. Yeah. Kid Rock was married to someone who he shouldn't have been married to, but I can't remember who it was. <laughs> I think um, I'm actually going to Google that. You you carry on. Is is it worth talking about Kid Rock's appropriation of a song I don't like anyway? Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> Into, and um, and Werewolves of London by uh, Warren Zevon. What? That's in the same song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? He, he borrows them both. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, all summer long is horrible. Yeah. I, I bloody hate that. Oh, he was married to Pamela Anderson as well. Oh, he was as well. Yeah, for oh, for God. a year. Oh, fair play. Fair play. <laughs> no, I not, didn't mean that in a weird way. <laughs> not to Kid Rock. I meant to me, fair but... play to you for having that knowledge, not not some sort of uh, yeah sexist. Uh, Remark. I was going to say, that's probably the blokiest thing you've ever said. Fair play, fair play. Fair yeah. play, fair play, guys. Fair play. Do you remember when he went into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame? <laughs> of and, course I do. And pr- proceeded to say, I'm a buddy slammy, a Democrat. <laughs> to a huge ovation. <laughs> yeah, very worrying, isn't it? <laughs> worrying, but not surprising. Yeah, we're probably going to be talking about wrestling quite a bit throughout this episode, so uh, sorry in advance if you don't like it. But yeah, Kid Rock, WWE Hall of Famer, and terrible person. But one of the um, one of the forerunners of of, uh, of rap rock, or I guess one of the the more mainstream successes alongside the Biz. Uh, but if basically in the late '90s and the early 2000s, if you were an American rock band who wanted to appeal to the mainstream youth, you either had to have a really whiny voice like Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge of Blink-182, or you had to have elements of hip-hop in your music, as proven by the successes of bands such as Crazy Town, Papa Roach, and our boys, The Biscuit. And I think that just about brings us up to the year 2000 when this album came out. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've just realised this is my version of your um, bad Orientalism thesis in episode one. Yes, we've got a thesis each now. (laughs) Yay. Um, Let's let's see what we manage to produce next. What's the next doctorate? <laughs> uh, Jacob, in the script I've written, did you see this horrible picture of uh, the, a CD pile that a Reddit user had compiled I've, uh, of their, their new metal up. CDs? Yeah, let me just get it up now. Um, how many of these did I own? 
as a child. <laughs> There's a lot of Linkin Park tracks. Oh, Breaking Benjamin, that is rough. <laughs> yeah, there's some Deftones in there. Um, Mudvayne. Have you heard any Mudvayne? No. Don't bother. Corn. Um, I quite like some corn tracks. You like corn? I don't know about corn. <laughs> yeah, the vegetarian new metal band. So when did the narrative change for you? Because you were obviously like really into this stuff. And mm. then... I don't know, I feel like the second year of uni, you were like, oh, maybe this is all a bit rubbish, actually. <laughs> yeah, when I came to uni, which is when you first met me, I was a diehard rock fan. Like, I'd gotten into music, I sort of was aware of music as you are as a, as a kid and an, as an early teenager. But when I turned 15, uh, my friend uh, started getting into bands like My Chemical Romance and Bullet For My Valentine and 30 Seconds to Mars and Paramore and bands like that. And I sort of followed him into that. And then I found my own stuff, like the Foo Fighters I was a big fan of, uh, Metallica, as we've mentioned before, I was a big fan of, bands like, bands like Alter Bridge and Shinedown, Blackstone Cherry was a big one for me. I was never like properly into like the new metal lifestyle, I guess. I don't have any tattoos. I don't have like piercing anger <laughs> yeah i don't hate everything all of the time i wore a lot of black like i just wore a lot of band t-shirts to sixth form and stuff which which um, might explain why i was single for so long and yeah i i just sort of stuck with that really and then when you get into rock music you sort of find there's a community there and there's a real us versus them mentality if you either love rock and nothing else or you're a traitor and I sort of fell into the former uh, and I would be so judgmental towards literally any other form of music which I'm sure must have been delightful for anyone to be friends with me and um, yeah it was only really when I got to uni and I met uh, people like yourself who introduced me to uh, the wonderful world of R&B and um, reignited my love of Michael Jackson and um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, so so when i showed up for that first show where yeah. we transitioned yeah what the hell were you thinking <laughs> like were you just like what is what how has someone got a show about this so yeah how we i don't have we ever told the story of how we met on this podcast we're, we're, um it's not like a massive we, no we've only vaguely story, talked but, yeah. about we're just going off on one let's roll on it let's keep going <laughs> Go, Tell tell the story from your perspective, and I'll tell you where you're wrong. Um, <laughs> well, my perspective is that um, I did. We both did student radio. I was in my first year. Nathan was in his last year, and I was two weeks late starting my show because I was in a play. Yeah, I, I was a weird kid. I like, had a lot of very strange and conflicting interests as an eighteen year old. Uh, and I did a show which was about rock music, and it was basically just an excuse for me to play anything I liked. So I would have stuff by like. Metallica and the Eagles on the same show. <laughs> I don't know who it was appealing to apart from me, but there we go. And yeah, I had the slot. I think it was like 9.30 on a Saturday. And then the show after me was a show called R&B Chronology, which was a, a, a year by year examination of the R&B genre, I think from like 1990 up to the present day. And it was hosted. It was 80. No, sorry. 1980 up to the present day. And it was hosted by a man called Nathan Packham. <laughs> and that's how we met. We got chatting uh, sort of just between the shows when, when we would cross over. 
uh, and it, it went from there, really. And uh, Nathan likes to tell people that when I first met him, uh, I thought he was a raging homosexual because he was uh, a little bit more camp than people I'd met before. Uh, and coming from a small town in rural Suffolk, uh, any, anyone who was even the slightest bit camp must, must like men. And um, there we go. I mean, to be fair, Jake, you were 30 to 70% right, weren't you? So, um... oh, said on air now. Oh, that's it. Yep. Yep. That's it. From my perspective, I was a little bit devastated because I think the two weeks prior, there was a soul show on before oh, me. Oh, God. And uh, I was like, oh, what? That's not a thing anymore. And it's uh, this guy with a rock. But then we got chatting. I was like, oh, this guy could hang. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, you know, sprout sprouted from there. Yeah. And we actually, like, it was the, your Shine Down t-shirt, wasn't it, that uh, got the wrestling discussion going? Yeah, that was it. And then and, and then it all sort of went from there, really. So, um, yeah, I don't know what changed for me, really. I think as I changed as a person, I think as I became open to, like, more ideas of, and, and just met different people from different backgrounds, my musical change mirrored that. And also... Like, I still have a very soft spot in my heart for those sort of bands and that sort of music, but it gets quite old quite quickly. <laughs> There's not a lot you can do with it after a while. And now I, I like much more varied music and more intricate music than just two two guitars, a bass and a drum kit, and occasionally maybe some piano or some strings. Where's the piano? <laughs> Where? It's on track nine... Um, the one that you're not supposed to listen to, the one you're supposed to skip over. Um, but yeah, oh. yeah, that was uh, a lot. Listening to this brought back a lot of memories of being 15 and watching Scuzz TV with my friends after school. Wow, what Sky Channel was that on? <laughs> uh, it was buried somewhere, I think, in the 700s or the 800s. Ouch! Uh, it was one of the three music channels that we would watch, along with Kerrang and Vintage TV, because we liked old music as well as rock music. VH1 Classic was all right. I wonder what happened. I wonder if that's still going. I don't know if that was going by the time I was 15. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, so, well, that was a that was a sidetrack. This is going to be a long episode. Um, <laughs> let's uh, that. Thank you, Jacob, for that overview of the rap rock genre. Should we get more specific? Should we get into our boys Limp Biscuit? And it's let's time it. for the, the prehistory of the prehistory. <laughs> We're going to talk about Limp Biscuits prehistory now. What happened before chocolate starfish was even a thing? Jacob, did you have fun researching this? I found this thoroughly entertaining, finding out about the uh, the prehistory of uh, chocolate starfish. Um, yeah, it was interesting because um, th- they were really fucking popular. Limp Biscuit, like we make. I know they're they're sort of a, a source of ridicule these days, but back in the day, they were the fucking bee's knees. Like people went mental for Limp Biscuit, and I, I found that really strange. So yeah, this was really interesting. Yeah, so Limp Biscuit originated. Well, Fred Durst originated from Gastonia, North Carolina, uh, where not a place I've been to. Uh, where he <laughs> not took a place an interest... I ever want to go to. <laughs> he he took an interest in breakdancing hip hop punk rock and heavy metal he began to rap skate beatbox and dj not at the same um, time I that assume. would be impressive whilst <laughs> also mowing lawns <laughs> and working as a tattoo artist he is the da vinci of our time the polymath and the, Fred the, the wikipedia entry it, 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 it um it tries to suggest that he was some sort of pioneer by saying that he developed an idea for a band that combined elements of rock and hip-hop but like 
That was happening quite a lot already. (laughs) As we've discovered 20 years before the fact, yeah, Run DMC came along and basically did this. Yeah, we, we seem to mention Bitches Brew a lot on this uh, this <laughs> podcast. This is not that level of, uh, of innovation, uh, no, I'm sorry to say. No. Um, so along the way, uh, Fred Durst picked up Sam Rivers from another band, and they also started jamming with Rivers' cousin, John Otto, who was studying jazz drumming and playing avant-garde music at the time. Um, I was baffled, apart from from a monetary perspective, why would you stop doing that to do this? I think you could make an argument that Limp Bizkit is avant-garde. Well, that's, that's you're going to have to sit me down for a long time to convince me on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I, I don't really have anything else to say other than that. Uh, and then Wes Borland, who people just adore, uh, mm. later joined on guitar. Durst named the band Limp Bizkit because he wanted a name that would repel listeners. Mm. Um, other names that were considered, and I'd like to get your opinions on each of these, Jacob. <laughs> Here uh, we go. Gimp Disco. <laughs> Gimp Disco. I actually quite like Gimp Disco. Obviously, I don't like it, but it's quite funny. Split Dick Slit, which oh. sounds like a Republican senator or something. <laughs> How they are there? I'm, I'm split dick slit. <laughs> Definitely involved in some sort of illicit affair down oh, the line. Yeah, split, absolutely. I can't even say it. Split, split dick slit. <laughs> From Dixie. <laughs> um, From Gastonia, North Carolina. I'm split dick. I can't say it. <laughs> what a terrible name. My personal favourite, Bitch Piglet. That's the best one. <laughs> Bitch Just piglet. lots of like really aggressive noises like involved yeah. in these words. And Blood Fart was the final one. <laughs> blood Fart. <laughs> I'd heard of... I knew that they um, they had a few sort of stupid names and I knew that Blood Fart was one of them. Um, but I hadn't heard of Bitch Piglet. <laughs> bitch Piglet. Bitch Piglet. <laughs> it's not far off Limp Biscuit, actually. No, no, none of them are, really. He clearly had an idea of, of what he wanted the name to at least sound like. And to be honest, Limp Biscuit is probably the least repulsive of those we've just discussed. Well, we'll get into the <laughs> we'll get into the starfish naming as well. <laughs> oh. I found some interesting things on Urban Dictionary about oh. that. Biscuit gained a cult following through word of mouth. At some point he moved from Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida. I didn't pick up on when. <laughs> um, in the, uh, the underground scene of Jacksonville, Florida, helped by their penchant for strange pop covers including Paula Abdul Straight Up. And I'd quite like now to play in some of the original uh, uh, Straight Up by Paula Abdul. I couldn't find a recording of them doing this, but I would have loved to have heard what this sounded like. I, I can sort of see what they would have done. Uh, also, by the way, great tune. Love a bit of Paula Abdul. Um, but yeah, that is a that is a weird one. How how did he even find this? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who owned the LP back in Gastonia. For this. <laughs> it's got to have been his mum or something like that. Then this takes another bizarre turn. Durst somehow ended up drinking with the band Corn. Are your faves? My boys, yeah. Jonathan Davis, the lead singer, is one of the weirdest people in the world. One of his children is called Pirate. <laughs> uh, they're not called Split Dick Slit. 
<laughs> I'm split dick slit. And then DJ Lethal joined from House of Pain, and that's fucking jump around. That so can absolutely weird. do one. <laughs> um, he joined as a turntablist. DJ Lethal. <laughs> um, Borland left the band briefly, but rejoined after Fred Durst had a near-death experience in a van wreckage, and it led to a change in perspective and reconciliation. What, um, what happened here? Like, it, I didn't know about Fred Durst's near-death experience. I wish I had any more information to give you, Jacob, on that. <laughs> after switching labels and having to work hard to impress execs and producers, Biscuit were finally ready to record their debut record, Three dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, I think it's referenced in Counterfeit, actually, which we're literally just about to talk about. It's about okay. the fakery of people oh, and how, okay. how like a three dollar bill doesn't exist. And oh, you're just oh, as fake okay. as a three dollar bill. That's actually not bad. It's not, but it, it yeah, it sort of gives you an insight into Fred Durst's mind after midnight, doesn't it? Like what <laughs> what happens when he lies in bed? Oh, that person's as fake as a three dollar bill. So this gives an insight into his mind, which is probably swelling around with copious amounts of monster energy drink. Yeah, I wonder how big the drugs were, or whether it was just Red Bull, like for the, <laughs> this entire this entire run of Limp Bizkit. Fred Durst is such a controversial and 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 compelling figure in the world of of, of popular culture. We'll probably get into it a bit more as we go on, but this guy's so weird. <laughs> There's so many weird things to say about him, and everyone else in the band just seems to be quite normal by comparison, including Wes Ball and the man that wears a fucking mask on stage. <laughs> Yeah, I think Fred takes these a tad too personally at times. Just a little tiny bit, yeah. Um, should we talk about some actual Limp Bizkit music? <laughs> yes, we're half an hour in. Wee! Um, uh, you're now going to hear uh, Limp Bizkit's debut single from $3 Bill, Counterfeit. So this is essentially a prototype for most of what what they would end up doing later mm. on. We've got those personal, angry, unrelenting, considerably clunky lyrics <laughs> accompanied by what I have to say I think is frankly fantastic instrumental interplay between guitar, bass and drums. Um, mm. I don't know what you thought of this track. I was actually okay with Counterfeit. <laughs> yeah, Counterfeit is... Um, it's not my favourite of the songs that we're going to talk about, but it's pretty good. Um, I think yeah, you're right. Like as a as an actual band, like the musicians in Limp Biscuit are really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not going to hear many complaints from me about um, the instrumentation on a lot of this stuff. It's basically all just going to be shitting on Fred Durst. I'm sorry to say, <laughs> he is the Patrice Wilson of this episode. Oh, are you looking forward to our end of year awards, the Wilsons? I can't wait for the Wilsons. I've got my tux ready. If you've heard that and you're for some reason really into this song, there is a whole paragraph on Wes Borland's guitar playing on this song on Wikipedia. <laughs> written, um, written by Mr. Fred Durst, probably. Yeah, he's probably added it. Oh, I'm not sure he likes him anymore. I don't know what's going on with those <laughs> Oh, two. yeah, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Uh, there's two more singles from this album after this. I don't have a lot to add on them, but they're called Nobody Loves Me and Sour. Anything to add on these, Jacob? Or could we talk uh, about the song? Nobody Loves Me is horrid. 
was not a fan of that. It's a lot. More, it's a lot angrier than Counterfeit, which is really saying something. Um, but I did really enjoy Sour. I thought Sour was really good. Um, it's it's a lot more slowed down and a lot less ah about everything. Um, there's actually some really good musicianship in there, and Fred Durst isn't too unbearable on his vocals. So yeah, I, I enjoyed Sour. So Jacob, there's one glaring omission from this from this album that we need to talk about. Lip Biscuit did a cover of George Michael's Faith. This is utterly atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. This is a stain on the legacy of George Michael. <laughs> I um, I obviously I'd heard this before, like many many years ago, and I remembered in the back of my head not liking it. And when we came round to re-listening to it for this episode, I thought maybe it's not as bad as I think. Maybe maybe it's actually okay. Stuck it on. It is just as bad as I remember it. It's dreadful. Durst has Jedward levels of singing in the opening <laughs> verse. Singing in inverted commas. Yeah. I noted down, and this bit really pissed me off. He changed the lyrics, uh, I think it's in the first verse, uh, from uh, a body like me. Sorry, he changed it egotistically to a body like me rather than a body like you. So nobody <laughs> has a body like Fred Durst. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's probably con- probably true, uh, just not in the way that um, George Michael envisioned it in the original. <laughs> it was reported that George Michael was not a fan of the version <laughs> of this song. <laughs> That's the least shocking thing that's ever been said on this podcast. I hated this, uh, so please listen to the original and give some money to the estate of George Michael. <laughs> uh, that is that is the debut album, Three Dollar Bill. And there is another album before mm. uh, we get to Chocolate Starfish. Album two, Significant Other, just before the turn. Is this 98? I think it might be 98 mm. or 99, just before the turn of the millennium. Um, oh my God, Nookie. What the hell is this? Horrible word. Hate the word nookie. Um, somebody used it to uh, use it to me recently in a sentence, like unironically, and I was like, "What are you doing? Nobody says that anymore." And then he rhymes it with with cookie, like, and he and he says you can, he says you can shove the cookie up your ass, but he doesn't say ass. He says yeah, in that very Fred <laughs> Durst way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know um, what this. I don't know what this means. <laughs> what is the cookie in this? <laughs> oh, there's a whole world of innuendos we're not privy mm. to. I think Jacob. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Fred Durst saying the word Nikki, but I would like to hear you do a Brian Epstein impression <laughs> of uh, just talking about Nookie, Really? Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know, know whether, whether you'd be up for that. Absolutely. I don't know whether the Brian Epstein episode is, uh, will have come out by the time this is out yet, but we'll we'll go for it anyway. Um, 
Now, 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 listen here, listen here, Nathan. This wonderful new chap has just burst onto the scene. Uh, he, he's a real motherfucker from Jacksonville, and uh, his name is Frederick Durst, and he loves a bit of nookie. I can tell you that. He, he's absolutely crazy for nookie. So if you could just take that cookie and, and stick it up your yeah, stick it up your <laughs> yeah, and stick it up your yeah, that would be spiffing. <laughs> Oh, that was everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> um, Fred Durst did comment on the meaning of this song, and it made me laugh considerably. Um, it's about my ex-girlfriend, how she treated me like shit, and I couldn't leave her. I wouldn't get over it. Wow. The poet of our time, <laughs> Fred Durst. Uh, once again, we've got a couple of singles in the middle here that I just have nothing to say about. Uh, rearranged and get together now. Mm. Um, can we just get to the other one? <laughs> I will just say I quite like both of these. Um, I didn't hate them as much as Nookie. Uh, and Un Get Together Now features Method. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's it's the letter N, the number two, and then Gather Now. Um, and it features Method Man from the Wu-Tang Clan. So they're obviously picking up some steam. Uh, and there's some quite big collaborations on Starfish as well. So people were taking notice of the, of the biz um, but yeah, these songs were fine. I thought they were okay. They were better than Nookie. And we're going to end on another ridiculous final single from an album, Break Stuff. Uh, any anger be- before this point has been a mere sampler for the outright violent rage of Break Stuff, and we'll give you a little bit of that right now. It's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up. Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. You don't want Jeez, this is strong. <laughs> Do you want to hear something that might make you really angry? Go on. I love this song. Oh my god. <laughs> this song is great. This was one of the like because before we did this, I had like four or five biscuit songs in my head that I remembered from being a teenager, and this was one of them. I think for what it is, like it's great. I think it's on my running playlist and when this comes on I am like I am so amped I'm so pumped up when this song comes on I know it's stupid I know it's ridiculous but I think it's 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 really got something that just appeals to a really raw animalistic side of me uh, that I probably retained from when I was 15 um but yes I I do enjoy this song it's interesting that you like this on a run when the whole basis of the beginning of the song is about someone who just can't even wake up because they're so angry. <laughs> What's the opening line? Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's just one of those days when you don't want to wake up. Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. <laughs> it was the late 90s. You don't really know why, but you just want to justify ripping someone's head off. <laughs> it was the late 90s. That's what people wanted. That's what people were doing. They were angry. Everything was too perfect, so they had to turn it into all personal anger. Yeah, basically, 9-11 hadn't happened yet, so America wasn't didn't have anything to be angry at, and they were just bored a lot of the time. American teenagers were just bored out of their minds, so they just wanted to break stuff, as this song so aptly puts it. 
Is this also the song with the uh, chainsaw line in it? This is the origin of the chainsaw line, yeah. Uh, yes. I've got a chainsaw, I'll skin your ass raw, which would take some <laughs> serious penmanship of the chainsaw there, not to just completely rip the buttocks off. <laughs> penmanship. That's some serious dexterity from, from Freddie D there. There's American Psycho and then there's Fred Durst. <laughs> I'll leave any comparisons up to the listeners at home. So, Jacob, let's sort of talk about the naming <laughs> origins of Chocolate Starfish. Oh, I hate I hate the world and everyone in it. Oh, <laughs> this is horrid. So there's an Urban Dictionary entry for Chocolate Starfish in the hot dog flavoured water. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say a lot. <laughs> um... Apparently a chocolate starfish is the outer edges of a woman's arsehole. Why a woman? Why is it specifically a woman? <laughs> oh, Extinction Rebellion Jacob is here. <laughs> Save the starfish. I, I'm i just reading back through the rest of hmm. this on Urban Dictionary. I can't say this. I literally can't say this. It, I don't think you have to. Um... Thank you. <laughs> It's horrible, like, it's really grim, uh, and and just, uh, it, as, uh, is just the best word I can describe it. I think we should just let people uh, look this up if they want to, and just warn them uh, that, that, that if you are, you know, with a minor, that may be not the best time to look this up, because it's really gross. Shouldn't be listening to this podcast with a minor. <laughs> Um, let's go to a slightly nicer uh, rendition of the the name. According to Wikipedia, um, the first part... Well, actually, okay, the, the, the first part is basically the same. Yeah. Um, the first part of the title is a scatological reference to the appearance of the human anus, mm. which apparently looks like a chocolate starfish. <laughs> However, hot dog-flavoured water... And this must have been some complex inside joke going on here. Hot Dog Flavoured Water is an inside joke started by Wes Borland at a truck stop while the band was on tour, where Borland saw bottles of Crystal Geyser Flavoured Water and made a joke about how having meat or hot dog flavours um, would also apply. Um, sounds like a worse joke to me than Neville Chamberlain's <laughs> one in Heil Honey, I'm Home. This is, yeah, the word joke is used very liberally here. Um, I know we've got some weird in-jokes, but I don't think we've ever made jokes about water. <laughs> Yeah, when when you came over the other night, I think we've, some people thought we were talking a different language. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, like I think if we if we did an album, what 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 in joke would we call an album if we released it? It'd be something to do with Epstein, probably. That would be, probably, yeah. Um, Jacob, let's do it. Let's talk about the album itself. I'm Chocolate so Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavoured Water. We are taking you back to nearly 20 years it's ago. It's the 20th anniversary next month. <laughs> October 17th, 2000. Oh, the Lord. innocence of the world knew no <laughs> bounds. Here we are with Limp Biscuits' third studio album. And I want to make a quick note here. We're talking about the Spotify version here, but there seems to be a whole world, if you are, for some fucking reason, <laughs> interested in, in this album. There's a whole world of other versions and additional tracks out there. And a special shout out here to my friend Chris, who is so involved in all of this that he wanted to stress that the versions of... Oh, sorry, the version 
of Get Your Groove On on Spotify is not the original version. Thank you very much, uh, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Uh, we, will, we will bear that in mind uh, when, when we talk about fucking Get Your Groove On. It will probably make absolutely no difference to our opinions on it. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Jacob, we begin, unsurprisingly and uncharacteristically, a logical way to begin from Fred Durst with an intro. pointless isn't it <laughs> it doesn't make any sense like the, the the point of these sorts of things is usually to fade into the first song it doesn't it fades yeah. out and then the, the 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 first track just starts um yeah i don't really know what to say apart from who's <laughs> in the house the house <laughs> it's really weird it's really really weird yeah, extraterrestrial vocal effects. Uh, this is not a test. <laughs> this is reality. Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine having bought this CD in, in 2000 and being like, yeah, I'm really angry. Oh, I hate my parents. They won't let me go skateboarding or, or record Celebrity Deathmatch on MTV on the VCR, I'm going to put my Limp Biscuit CD on, I'm going to, yeah, oh, and then this happens for a minute, and you're like, I'm still angry, but I don't really know what to do with all these emotions right now, because I'm having to listen to this weird Dalek voice thing <laughs> for 60 seconds. I feel a bit let down. This brings me on to, like, I'm thinking of, like, good intro songs now mm. from, I think we've got to talk about Egypt Station before we <laughs> like, how that fades into... Uh, I don't know is amazing. Yeah, and the um, opening bit from Tug of War as well is pretty yeah. good. Oh, another McCartney reference. Sorry, <laughs> We're guys. McCartney. <laughs> there is there's a great extraterrestrial opening on Jimi Hendrix's album Axis Boulder's Love mm. uh, called EXP, where a man is uh, taken away by aliens, <laughs> which is uh, it's really good fun. Uh, this is not that, and we are going to move on <laughs> swiftly. And my God, are we getting straight into it? Because we're going to talk about uh, the sort of title track, I guess, Hot Dog. Is this on a level of garishness with break stuff? This is an angry song. This man, this is a very angry song. Like, this is everything that everyone thinks Limp Bizkit is in about two and a half minutes. Yeah, and he takes the time to introduce the album on this song, which he could have done in the intro. <laughs> right? That is sort of what, I mean, that's what introduction stands. That's what intro's short for, introduction. So yes, I I see your I see your somewhat pedantic but very applicable point. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, maybe we... being pedantic isn't the best thing to do <laughs> with this this whole project. I don't think we need to pick holes when there are already gaping chasms in the project. <laughs> and this this song is a gaping chasm. And what is this song most famous for, Jacob? Well, it's most famous for being wrong because it it says there's a lyric in here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that says. Um, if I say fuck two more times, that's 46 fucks in this fucked up rhyme. Because, um, yeah, he says the word fuck a lot in this song, but he doesn't say it 46 times. What What is the official count? Well, I had a look about uh, around for this. <laughs> um, and depending on your I've source... I've got my papers. <laughs> I had the lads at the lab. Um, according to various sources, it's anywhere between 47 and 49 uh, genius lyrics are boys. Were they our boys? Are they the ones that you like? Yeah, they're like the verified ones. They're let's, pretty pretty yeah. good most of the let's, time. Let's go for the genius one. And they've got 49 fucks uh, in Hot Dog. So I thought maybe we could start a fuck count for this album. Right. Are you organising this? Because I'm not fucking doing it. <laughs> yep, I have organised this. Um, and <laughs> we're at two songs in. Uh, obviously, there's no fucks in intro, but there are 49 fucks in Hot Dog. Uh, so across the two songs, we are at 49 fucks, which is so far an average of 20, 20, let's say 25 fucks per song. <laughs> I just want to hear you talk about this all day. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I will. Have you got any particular favourite uses of the word fuck in this song? I'm so glad you asked. My favourite one is, um, <laughs> it's got to be fake ass titties on a fucked up chest. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I've written down as that's well. That's the best one for me. Um. What's your favourite fucked? What's your favourite Well, it, uh, my my favourite one comes straight after that line where he's like, we're all fucked up, so what you want to do? <laughs> fucked up me and fucked up you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the lowest my register's ever gone. That was a pretty good Fred Durst, I think. That, well, I mean, he only has about three vocal intonations, so <laughs> it's does. quite easy to pick up on. He, he sort of goes, yeah, from very low to, what do you want to do? Quite easily. Yeah, so we, we've covered we've covered two of them there. And the other one that really, I think I've talked about this with you yeah. previously. The other one that really pisses me off is the, da 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 Yeah, that's particularly prevalent in Take a Look Around. So we'll give you an example of that. But yeah, fucked up. Uh, the line before the fake ass titties line is fucked up AIDS from fucked up sex. Jeez, not um, even relevant anymore. The AIDS crisis was in the eighties. Also, maybe uh, slight, slightly slightly uh, verging on homophobic. There, maybe I don't know. I think you could probably construe it as yeah. Um, obviously, AIDS is still a problem now, but like it wasn't the it wasn't the buzzword in two thousand, was it? He just wanted to say the word AIDS. Yeah, uh, this is this is not the mid eighties. No, he's um, not Prince. When rap rock was born, uh, Fred. <laughs> just to remind you, here we go again, Jacob. The, geez, the start of this album. Who wants to hear my generation? Not by the Who. <laughs> here you go. got lyrical references here to the actual my generation by the who and they'll be back later on mm. god uh welcome to the jungle by guns and roses which is shit <laughs> um 
and move over by the Spice Girls. I I miss this completely. Where's the bit where they talk about the Spice Girls? I don't know my I don't know the Spice Girls song well enough no. myself. Um, uh, we've also got references to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the Titanic, and even Macromedia's Shockwave flash plugin. <laughs> I live I live for Macromedia's Shockwave flash plugin. Is that the sort of plugin where nothing works if you don't install the latest version on your PC? I don't know. I'm I'm not a plugin. I'm not a plugin generation. Unfortunately, I'm very much a driver generation. <laughs> Good to get that cleared up. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear my favourite line from this song? Do it. Uh, my favourite line is uh, one of the the funniest, most functional lines on the whole album. Hey kid, take my advice. Don't step in a big pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <sighs> Probably don't do that. Oh, that is one of the greatest bad things moments. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> I like there, that There's your just... audio snippet there. Yeah. That's it. That's really good. Oh god, I don't think I'm ever gonna recover. Um <laughs> I don't think he likes the older generation. Is really? what I got from this song. <laughs> I mean, he won't. He won't give a fuck, and they don't. Don't give a fuck. Um, that's twenty-one more fucks, by the way, for the fuck count. Uh, so we're on seventy fucks across three songs. Okay, so potentially with the next song, we could be hitting triple figures. <laughs> oh yes. Um, so this is Durst, I guess, reappropriating the Who song for the Gen X crowd. But it's hmm. not good. No, this is my least favourite of like the three big singles from this album. Uh, four, if you include "Take a Look Around." I never really got on with this one, even in my uh, even in my rock phase as a fifteen-year-old. It's not very lyrical. It's not very catchy. It's just sort of shouty and angry. Um, I think I think the idea of reworking my generation for the Gen X, as you as you said isn't a terrible idea. It's just poorly executed here. It's, uh, you know, the, the 60s and the 90s seem to have a link because mm. of the way, I mean, Oasis to me are just the <laughs> shitty Beatles. I'm sorry. like, But that, that appropriation of clearly what people were hearing in their childhoods then transposed onto the decade the, mm. where they became adults is a, is a relevant thing, uh, but done in far better ways than my generation Here's a song I always forget how it goes because the actual lyric, uh, the actual name of the song isn't uh, within the lyrics, I don't think. Am I incorrect? No, I, I don't know why this song is called this. Uh, it's a wrestling reference and we know Limp Biscuit like wrestling, so that might just be it. That could be it. Um, who wants to check out and who wants to be locked into a full Nelson? Why's everybody always picking on me? One of my uh, one of my notes here is just: Can you imagine just liking this sort of music? <laughs> Wasn't that you about five years ago? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't need to imagine it. Just how narrow your scope is. Like, <laughs> is this mu- Is this the same music as Hot Dog? That's a really good. That, it might geez, as well that be, is right? that's an intellectual take on this whole thing. <laughs> Have they just ripped the backing track? Because I couldn't tell you a difference between, apart from the level of fuck that we're at, I couldn't tell you the difference between this and Hot Dog 
at the start of the album. I, apart from, because I've got the lyrics written down, I always forget how this one, I'm really bad at matching up songs where the mm. title doesn't match lyrically within the chorus. Um, Jacob, are you also upset at the people who verbally rape us? Oh, God. The way, yeah, there's probably, probably a better time and place to be using that word in a song. Uh, I mean, there are lots of words in this album that Fred Durst shouldn't be using, but that's because it was 2000. Um, it's not a great use of that word in this song. And uh, what is our F count at? <laughs> well, I don't know if this is right, but according to um, Genius Lyrics, there are only nine fucks in this song. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think most of them come at the end where he wants to burn this motherfucker down. Um, but that is 79 fucks we are at, according to Genius Lyrics. And we, we reach a big crescendo in this song with the shut your fucking mouth line, uh, yeah. which is delivered quite incredibly. <laughs> <laughs> Just shut your fucking mouth! Bring it on, legal! Come on! He's an angry boy, isn't he, Fred? He... <laughs> That's the whole basis of why we're doing this. <laughs> He's just, he's just, he's just so angry. Why is, he, why is he so angry? Yeah, there's something must have happened in Gastonia. I don't know what, but um... God, I mean, maybe he fell off his skateboard one too many times. Oh my bloody god! Let's talk about a really <laughs> good song. <laughs> this is going to be my way. Just one more fight and I'll be history. Yes, I will straight up leave your shit And you'll be the one who's left Missing me Yeah! This time I'ma let it all come out This time I'ma stand up and shout I'ma do things my way It's my way My way on the highway I adore this song I'm so glad that you said this because this song is this song rules. This is so good. Is it the wrestling connection, maybe, that why we like this song? I don't know. Potentially, yeah. It's included in a very famous the um, promo. Video, yeah, very famous video package um, for a very famous match. Um, I think it's just a really good song. Like it's got good beat. There's a good balance between melodic and intense. Uh, there's there's no fucks in this, so it's radio friendly pretty much. It's catchy, it's memorable. Is this the best song we've ever reviewed? Wow, on bad things. Well, I, I'd like to put in a you know a, a, a vote for Little Dog. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I'm joking a lot. Um, surely some of the Grease Two songs are better than it's, this. It's between this and Prowlin, probably. In terms wow, of like, okay. Did it? Anyway. Yeah! <laughs> Prowlin', motherfucker! Prowlin', motherfuckers! Yeah! Oh, this song's so good. Like, not, not, not a hint of irony in my voice. This song's so good. It, I mean, even I'm failing to be ironic about this one. <sighs> Uh, just builds to a fantastic crescendo. Oh. oh my god, the instrumentation is unbelievable, and even so Fred good. Durst is all right. Yeah, because he he's like he's trying. He's not just yelling. Yeah, he's like the rapping in the in the chorus is good. It's quite simple. Um, the I guess you'd call it like singing in the in the verses is is pretty good. Uh, 
he does rhyme things with shit at one point, um, <laughs> which doesn't rhyme. But apart from that, everything else is pretty spot on. Like, yeah, this this song's really good. And a shout out as well to the strange in- uh, sample used in the intro, which is from Eric B and Rakim's My Melody, which is an 80s is rap song. Oh, OK. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I, I just think it's like there's obviously massive appropriation going on, and to have that callback, mm. I think, um, is significantly better than some of the other callbacks we get going <laughs> forwards. Well, there's one particular callback and sample that is just ludicrous coming up in about two songs' time. Um, I didn't know this was a sample. I've always just associated "Check Out My Melody" with this song. Yeah, it's a it's a decent tune as well. I'd say the original. Okay. Never heard it. We go into further wrestling territory here. Sorry, <laughs> if you are a wrestling fan, you'll know what we mean. Um, I just can't make my mind up on this song. This is Rolling Brackets Air Raid Vehicle. Close brackets. The Undertaker's theme song between the years 2000 and 2003. Oh, this is just a full-on wrestling podcast now. <laughs> I think I know all the words to this song. Yeah, um, I'm probably probably not far off, which is a bit worrying. Mm. I remember dancing to this at a disco when I was about seven <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah. No way. Um, what? Yes, you were played the song as a seven-year-old. Yeah, at a, at a communal disco as well. <laughs> what? This is so inappropriate. Yeah, I'm sure it was the watered-down version. Hopefully, <laughs> I was wondering if this is a uh, rap rock precursor to the cha-cha slide. Yeah, you've put this in the script, and I think you're mental. What are you talking about? Because of the uh, the audience participation element. Um... What, the all the ladies, all the fellas? No, the bit. move in, move out bit. Oh, okay. Okay. Um well yeah, what does that what does that mean? Move in, move out. Well that is actually there is no direct instruction to be fair. It's very is it, vague. Is that just like when you move house? <laughs> Some sort of uh, right move cha cha slide <laughs> thing. I like this song. <laughs> I just knew I you'd like it's... this song. It's just, it's it's so iconic, and it's just so ridiculous that you can't hate it. it. It's it's like, yeah, it's obviously not in very intellectually stimulating, nor is it, you know, the, 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 it's not Tchaikovsky or anything <laughs> like that, but it's just good fun. It's just really good fun. It's not taking itself too seriously. Uh, the video is really good, um, featuring our favourite motherfucker, Ben Stiller. And who's the other guy in this? There's two actors, I think, in this video. I can't remember who the other one is. It's not Wahlberg, is it? It's not, is it? It might be Wahlberg, yeah, because um, they pull up in a in a in a car and they give Fred Durst the keys, and he just drives around New York in this car. Um, yeah, this was an absolute staple of of 15 year old Jacob. I fucking love this. <laughs> How did we become friends? <laughs> One more thing on the video. Holy shit, they're on top of the World Trade Center? Mm. Um, yeah, they are. 
and they were awarded best video. This is one of those crazy coincidences that happens yeah. in the entertainment industry. They're awarded best video at the MTV Video Awards on September the 10th, 2001. Mental stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the, um, uh, I think this is true. The, um, like the management team or, or the team at the World Trade Center sent Limbiscuit a letter on the September the 10th saying thank you for uh, filming your video with us because it's brought a lot more attention to the building. We've oh. had a lot more tourists. And they sent that letter the day before 9-11, which is just <sighs> like unbelievable. It's, it's so strange. It's so, so strange. I think this might have been the same event where I, I'm going to bring it up again. MJ did a kind of 30th anniversary performance. And then on September the 11th, there's an urban myth that him, Liz Taylor mm. and Marlon Brando scrambled yeah. out of New York together in a car. Imagine the conversation going on there. Well, um, there was going to be a, they were going to document that. They were going to dramatize. Yes, that. they were. Um, but I think they cancelled it because wasn't it Joseph Fiennes was cast as MJ? Yeah, they they picked obviously... a white actor and it didn't go any further. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that does exist yeah. somewhere though, and that if that ever comes out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well it has to because like the trailer, the trailer exists. So they must have filmed at least some of it. My God, see you for bad things. Forty five people. <laughs> but yeah, I think Roland is just. I think if you grew up liking this sort of music, you will have come across Rolling at some point. And as a 15-year-old, it's so funny. <laughs> Such a funny song. I'm trying to think what I was listening to at 15. Probably Sam Sparrow, Black and Gold. <laughs> uh, Sam Sparrow. <laughs> Guys, you thought it was ridiculous so far? Here's another ridiculous song with a ridiculous <laughs> intro. Living it up. Fred Durst and Ben Stiller. I almost said Ben Diller or something there. Just... Ben Diller. Fred Burst and Ben Miller. Um... Ben Miller. Ben Miller. Fred Stiller. I don't know. Um... Oh, God. We're all going mad. Um, yeah, like, I, they're obviously close because he comes up again at the, at the end of the album. And here this song is dedicated to him and we get the line where he calls him his favourite motherfucker. <laughs> What a proclamation of love that is. Yeah, that that is probably the nicest thing Fred Durst has ever said about anyone. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. Um, Fred Durst is also a redneck fucker from Jacksonville in this song. Oh, what, <laughs> what's our number? fucker from Jacksonville. What's, what's the number, Jacob? What are we on? Oh, the fuck count? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as of rolling, we're on 84. Uh, living it up has 19 fucks. Hey. So we're into triple figures. We're 103 fucks. Hey. 100 and, oh my God. <laughs> this song is very much yeah. dated by its Christina Aguilera reference. 
Mm, yes. Uh, do you know about the history between Fred Durst and Christina Aguilera? Oh, no, you're kidding me. Mm-hmm. That, yep. that, that happens. Just, uh... Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm well, hearing the line in. Yeah, I'm just Googling it. Um, were they a couple? I think they might have been a couple, or at least something happened between the two of them. Because there's a line, there's that line in um, uh, Eminem, Real Slim Shady, uh, where he says, I'm going to sit next to Carson Daly and Fred Durst and hear him argue over who she gave head to first, <laughs> in reference to Christina Aguilera. Um, I'm just going to check this up, because I think they, I, they either dated or they had like uh, a one-night stand or something like that. Um, but yeah, that is fucking weird. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay. During the the 2000 MTV Music Video Awards, Durst performed the Limp Biscuit song Living It Up as a duet with Christina Aguilera. <laughs> oh my god, I hope that's available. Oh, so good. So has this turned into a concept album now? Because I'm not sure what the Starfish Navigation System is. <laughs> the Starfish Navigation System. <laughs> Unless it's some sort of uh, uh, a nautical instrument for finding your way around an asshole. I can't think of that. How to work Wait, through the fluids. Um, oh, stop. Sorry. <laughs> stop that right now. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, it's so horrid. So is this a concept album? I can't decide. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Nathan. This song is so weird. It features the eagles. What? Why are the eagles in it? Because that you know the bit where it's like life in the fast lane. Yeah, that's an that's a song by the Eagles oh, God. <laughs> called Life in the Fast Lane. This is the weird sample I was talking about. Um, and then and then there's the fucking starfish navigation system. Uh, and my favourite line in this entire song is um, <laughs> where Fred Durst says, "I'm the starfish, silly motherfucker." <laughs> Just those blunt lines are the best. <laughs> Just the word silly and motherfucker should just not go, should not go together. Also, you're insulting someone about a concept that you just haven't explained in any mm. detail whatsoever. The what, starfish. What if he's going, if he says he's the starfish, that means he's the asshole. Is that a, a rare moment of self-awareness from, from Freddie D? Yeah, but loads of people say it. When people apologise, like, I've had someone yeah. recently um, who uh, I've, we, we essentially had to have removed from our household... Um, oh God! Who? Jeez, oh, I hope he doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> who uh, would have a couple of bad, really, really bad days, and then would say, "Oh, I'm a twat," and then that would be his apology, which mm. I don't find particularly sincere. Um, it's not endearing, is it? No, no it's, it's not particularly appealing. Um, and shockingly, they loved rap rock as well. So there you go. <laughs> It all fits together. Maybe the starfish navigation system is like a, a Limp Biscuit fan club where all the other starfishes can find each other and um, uh, and headbang. Examine each out. other's ass. <laughs> oh, we're getting to a good one oh. now, Jacob. I oh, really yeah. like this song, uh, which oh, is another yeah. weird thing to say on this podcast. Uh, 
Uh, this is the one, and to me, it might be the one. instrumentation on this i'm so glad you said this the drumming and the bass in this song is so good the bass oh my god you can really tell that that john otto has a background in jazz drumming because some of the drumming on this is so good the way he flicks between the hi-hat and the crash cymbals and oh he's obviously like a fucking great drummer and and yeah, the bass line is that bit where it's like boom, and it like runs it up the bass, and is that hot, lovely sort of metallic ring. Mmm, it's tasty. Oh. It's a tasty bass line. Might have to do an impression here. Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> it's funk. It's a funk song. Yeah. Right? I wonder why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. Yeah. This is really good. Like. Was this a single? Because if it wasn't, it should have been. Oh, yeah, I don't know what the singles were. Um, mm. Yeah, we've got Durst uh, a, a, a lower <laughs> a lower anger level, I think it's fair to say. Um, one of the most hilarious lyrics on the album, though, is in this song. Well, what do you think? We could give it a try. Because you never know. Maybe we could be soulmates. But maybe not. Maybe not. Or maybe so. Maybe so. If you never try, then you'll never know. The bridge isn't great, like the rapped bit is not fantastic, but the drop when it comes back in. It's so fucking good. Like, this is a really well thought out, really well structured, inoffensive, just a really good song. Like, yeah. That's all I can say, really. This, what a gem. What an absolute gem to have found this track. Because I'd never heard it before. I, I think My Way might be my top, but more mm. from a personal perspective. But um, as I think I've said before, we always, like, when I used to work in a kitchen, they loved this album. Like, mm. um, but partly non ironically and definitely ironically as well. <laughs> but I always, like, I always thought this song was just great. Oh, it's so different. How is this on the same album as fucking Hot Dog? <laughs> Or the what next happened? song we're going to talk about. Oh my god, talk about come crashing back down to earth. Get your groove on, an all-out rap number here. Um, let's take a listen. My home war. Yo, get at him, dog. You don't want to fuck with me today Cause a little something go your way yeah. Try not to be like that today Cause I'm a real motherfucker from round the way We don't give a fuck when we're rocking the place We're only giving a fuck if you're a baby So the song features Exhibit, who is well known mm. as the host of Pimp My Ride. Yes. Um, the American Tim Westwood. <laughs> did Tim Westwood do the one over here? Tim Westwood did the British version. Oh. Uh, it's pretty much a straight up rap song. I think it's absolute shite. 
Yeah, one of my lyri- one of my um, lines here is just okay. Back to the bollocks. <laughs> back to the bollocks. <laughs> the so new bollocks. album from Jacob Simmons. <laughs> oh God! There's a line here from Exhibit where he says, "I'm drinking while I'm taking a piss." It seems quite counterproductive to me. <laughs> it's, wasn't there that old school rumor that if you ate and pissed at the same time, you're going to get cancer or something? <laughs> Wasn't that, wasn't that a thing? Or you chewed gum at the same time as you were peeing? Something ridiculous like that. <laughs> Never heard that before. <laughs> I don't think that's what Exhibit was alluding to. Um, it's 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 just a bit rubbish, isn't it? Like at least it's different. At least it's not just crunchy guitars, like you said. It's just a rap song. Like it's just Fred Durst rapping. Exhibit raps. Sometimes exhibit raps over Fred Durst, so you can't hear what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, the mix, the mix is just like mm. what? I don't even think it's anything to do with the mixing. I just think Exhibit didn't shut up, <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, "Fine, all right, I guess this is the version we're using." So this is um, th- this is called the Dirt Road Mix on Spotify. Does the original exist out there somewhere? Did we have to buy the CD? I I think I did I did I listen to the original? It's definitely I think on YouTube, and okay. that might be the one that actually goes into our edit because I'm not sure where the, the Dirt Road mix is also available on YouTube. Right. And uh, to be honest, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I doubt. Um, but thanks to my we'll friend to Chris. Ask, we'll have to ask Chris. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to ask Chris like what the differences are. Um, this is the song with the second most fucks on the album. Oh. You want to have a guess at how many fucks? A dark horse. <laughs> uh, 23, I'm going to go with. 33. Oh, wow. Yeah, taking the overall fuck total up to 136. <laughs> I want to see this tally. We've got to get that posted to social media. <laughs> oh, that's going to get taken down so quickly. Yeah, this song's just a bit crap. Um... <laughs> But at least it's different, like, at least it's a bit of variety. Is that how you're... Ju- this is the worst one. This is the worst one for you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think Hot Dog's the worst for me. Yeah, I just, I hate Durst doing straight out, straight up rap. I think it's horrible. Okay. That's fair enough. I can, I can see the argument for, that. like, I'm in no rush to ever hear this song ever again. <laughs> um, unless I want to show people like oh you know that guy who used to do pimp my ride this is what he's like as an actual rapper so we're moving into the part of the album where i start to forget what song is what because i'm bored um uh the first one of these is take a look around Durst's vocal inflections are in absolute overdrive on this one, but the bass is absolutely flying again. Um, so, yeah, this is the song I was kind of referring to. Do we always gotta cry? Do we always gotta live inside a life? Yeah, yeah. Ugh. That's the one. Do you, um, do you, I mean, you must have recognised what the sample was here. I don't think I did. Really? No, what, what is it? It's the Mission Impossible theme. Is- yeah, this song I think is featured in Mission Impossible 2, the movie. Gee, Tom Cruise and Fred Durst. Oh, it doesn't get any worse, <laughs> does it? 
Yeah, I think they like. Uh, I don't think it was written for the film. I think it was just used in the film because it features the Mission Impossible, like the dunga 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 dunga. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's the opening. That's why. That's why it's so good. It's because you've heard it before. Oh, you you enjoyed this one. I like this song. Yeah, this um this is one that I remember from being uh, fifteen. I remember really liking this track um at the time. It's on my again. It's on my running playlist. And and yeah, twenty twenty three year old me also digs this from a completely mindless perspective. <laughs> well, you better stay on top of your life, or I'll kick you in the ass. <laughs> yeah, a laugh will kick you in the ass. It's, it's okay. It's fine. I don't hate it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like the, the the big sort of bombastic rock element. It's obviously very catchy. Um, I like the way it sort of peaks and troughs. Like it sort of starts off quite quiet, goes quite loud and then back and forth there is probably a proper music word for that but i can't remember uh what it is and yeah i think this is one of the better songs on the album i gotta say oh i don't have a lot more to say um no. <laughs> apart, <laughs> apart from durst uh, exclaiming that hate is all the world has ever seen lately i mean you're hardly helping the cause are you like <laughs> come on yeah he doesn't seem to know whether he is uh pro hate or or anti-hate on this album because he simultaneously wants to, uh, um, you know, end all the hate in the world and also skin your ass with a chainsaw, which I'd say is quite a hate-filled act. <laughs> I think, think it might be top of a lot of people's lists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm totally zoning out now. It'll be okay. <laughs> it will be okay, Nathan. Don't worry. There's only four more songs to go. So I'm on my way. Actually, I've read through some lyrics now, and I've, um, I've I remember what this song is, and actually the instrumentation's pretty good on this one. The drumming's really good on this song. Mm. Again, John Otto is my MVP of this album. I love the drumming. Yeah, I, I've written here. These musicians are so good. Why Fred Durst and not <laughs> Zach Della Rocker on this? <laughs> well, that's essentially what Rage Against the Machine is. It's just it's three very good musicians in Tom Morello, Tim Comerford, and Brad Wilk, and then a very competent frontman. Uh, with a conscious <laughs> rather than Fred Durst he's just like yeah <laughs> Fred Durst's political position yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez yeah um, I, don't, I don't remember a great deal about this song um, I've just put in my lyrics uh, I put my lyrics I put in my notes the lyrics are a bit extreme <laughs> Is that the only time you've written that? <laughs> yeah. Um, this way he talks about killing it, killing himself for you. Oh, it's a bit abusive, Fred. Um, that sort of language is obviously not okay uh, in this day and age. Uh, there are better ways of putting across this sentiment. It's kind of a love song, I guess. <laughs> a I guess. ballad for our time. <laughs> Question mark. Big question mark on that, and uh, I put um, I put it's very filler, um, but at least it's fairly catchy filler. Mm, I um, want to move on. <laughs> <laughs> should we care, should we uh, check in with the fuck count before? Oh we move yes, on? of course. Yeah, sorry, the fuck count. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, uh, 
There were none in Take a Look Around and four in this song, so we're on 140 fucks. <laughs> God. Uh, but we do have a run of two songs back to back with no fucks in them. Oh, so. no, we're not going to hit the 200. I don't think we are. Sorry. The next song, which is inexplicably a single and has a video. What? Boiler. This was a single? <laughs> what? Leave it alone and don't regret it. Sometimes some things turn into dumb things and that's when you put your foot down. Foot down. Why I don't know whether you experienced this in life as well, but sometimes some things do turn into dumb things uh, in my life. That is rubbish. What a rubbish line. Wow, I just don't have anything to say. I'm sorry. It's it's a seven minute long track. Um which is pretty par for the course on this podcast. But it's do- it doesn't earn the seven minutes. Um, Fred Durst makes a load of funny noises throughout the song. <laughs> uh, and that not, like, different funny noises from, yeah. Uh, it's just, like, it's just too long, really, is the problem. Um, it also sounds like it's the end of the album because it sort of fades out and there's some talking at the end, but there's still three more songs to go. So it's quite confusing. I don't hate it. It's just a bit pointless. Like I would have cut this to save because like, I think we can both agree this album's too, too long and there's lots of things we could, we would take out. There are tropes going on with our music episodes and that is, Mm albums that are too long and far too long and similar musical um similar musical tropes throughout the album as well i think is another another thing that we're finding out as we delve into bad music also i would be in i'd be in no rush to show somebody boiler is all i'll say also why is it called boiler (laughs) because he's corgi registered i don't know Corgi registered, motherfucker. Yeah. You gotta check me every six months. Yeah. <laughs> Get yourself a smart meter. Check how much you're paying on your gas bills. Uh, living life in the fast lane. <laughs> Take me out and replace me with central heating. <laughs> on the floor, motherfucker. Uh, can roll on this all day. <laughs> Underfloor, motherfucker. <laughs> I just I feel got like, that. I feel yeah. like boilers in America are like bigger things. There's boiler rooms, isn't there? Where like <laughs> things just boil every, all the time. <laughs> what is America like? What, <laughs> what heating systems do they have? Why is there pipes everywhere? Like, what is going on? One thing I never got about America is why they all have like those weird garbage disposal things in their sink. Oh yeah, we're like yeah, Wait, that is strange. You can press a button and it's just like death, <laughs> just to <laughs> eviscerate everything. Don't put your hand in. Oh god, yeah. What are you putting down the sink that needs to be blended? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, we're just trying not to. We're just trying not to talk about the album now because everything from this point on is is. Uh, bland to rubbish uh, we can we can roll through now uh, next yeah. up is a significant change in pace mm. everybody just hold on I'm waiting for you 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 I'm wa
So we've got Scott. This is a man I'd never heard of before. No? <laughs> Scott Wyland from Stone Temple Pilots. And yeah. uh, the Bizarre Supergroup, which was one of my friend's favourite groups back in the day, Velvet Revolver. I I know one Velvet Revolver song. Uh, it's called Sliver, and it's really good. Um, Velvet Revolver has Slash in it, I think. Yep. Um, and yeah, Stone Temple Pilots, huge grunge band, like one of the big five of grunge. Scott Wayland, Wyland, have, I don't know how you say it, um, sadly passed away. I think it's 2015, 2016. Um, but yeah, some of those Stone Temple Pilot songs, the, um, what's it called? Interstate song. Is that what it's called? Or something like that? That song's really good. You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, you bought Nevermind in 2010. You like grunge. Yep. Uh, I also love Soundgarden, but that's another discussion. Yeah, um, the least grungy of the grunge bands. This is kind of a nothing song. I kind of appreciated that it was a bit psychedelic at points. There's some mm. feedback and backwards guitar going on. Um, it's it's like you said. It's just radically different from everything on the uh, on the album. Um, I've got two notes on this song. One of them is Fred is singing with about five question marks afterwards. Hold on down, uh, and then that was actually pretty good. Wow, okay. Um, it was okay. Yeah, yeah just nothing happened, so... <laughs> um, I'm starting to think I might dislike both Crescendo and Sad Limp Biscuit. <laughs> what that translates to is, you don't like Limp Biscuit. <laughs> I, th- I think it might. And do you know what I else makes me really, uh, really not like Limp Biscuit? A is second version <laughs> of Rolling. Play that fucking track! Uh, Play that fucking track! Oh, there it is. Well, this is a fucking dreadful urban. That, actually, I don't want to say the word urban. That's a horrendous way of describing. Well, it. no, it's it's called urban. Like the the uh, yeah, you know how the first the first version was air raid vehicle. This is urban assault vehicle, <laughs> which means nothing. What is an urban assault vehicle? I guess it's a it's is a it the starfish of... navigation system? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the U.S. military are running on the starfish navigation system. It's probably why there were so many friendly fire incidents in the 2000s. Yeah, all the fluids. Um, Oh, God, the fluids. So this version features rap rock alumni, including DMX, Method Man and Red Man. Yeah, we get our first, um, we get a wrong'un here. Yeah. Do you know DMX? Do you know he's a wrong'un? Oh, what's the the DMX wrong'un? Is he going to be on the Wilsons? (laughs) He, um... Well, first of all, he. How many children do you think DMX has? Twelve. Fifteen. <laughs> you don't want to fuck with him today. <laughs> um, yeah, he. Um, he has had several run-ins with the law. Um, there is a page. There is on his Wikipedia page. Uh, 
a, a segment called Legal Issues. Mm-hmm. Um, he got sent to prison first in 1986 after he stole a dog from a junkyard. <laughs> Um, he How was can arrested. You steal a dog that's in a junkyard. <laughs> that dog probably isn't owned by anyone. What? I think it was probably owned by the person that ran the junkyard. Um, he's been arrested for weapons possession charges, drugs possessions. Uh, he went to prison in 2018, I think, for tax fraud, uh, and was only released at the start of last year. Um, he's had run-ins with, to do with child support. No surprise, he's got 15 fucking children. Um, oh, and in 2005, he was arrested for robbery. I mean, the admin on 15 kids, that's thats no wonder. Like, you just want to keep up. <laughs> I'd go to prison. We'd all struggle on that one. <laughs> Maybe the answer is to not have 15 children. <laughs> it's a fair point. But yeah, back to the song. Um, this <laughs> oh is yeah, ridiculous. the song. <laughs> It's fucking ridiculous. DMX starts barking. <laughs> in in memoriam to his uh <laughs> to, to the junk to the junkyard dog. To the junkyard dog, yeah. Oh my god. Um I've just put the backing music leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, vague hip hop backing music. It sounds like it was sounds like it was made on Garage Band in about five minutes. <laughs> Garage Band 2000. Yeah. But you can't run it because the Shockwave Macromedia (laughs) plug isn't enabled. Do you reckon the Starfish navigation system is also available as a (laughs) plug-in? For investigation. Backing noise I've put here sounds like either an unofficial release for a video game or it's being played out of an ice cream van. (laughs) I don't know which is worse. A, ni- a 99 and fucking DMX. <laughs> Great opening here from Fred where he just says, play that fucking track. That did make <coughs> me laugh quite a lot. Yeah, this song has got 16 fucks in it. Yeah, what are we on? 156. That's Is that the final total? Or it, there is, nope. Oh, no, because we've got the weird outro coming up. We've got so. outro to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to leave that one behind and go to another pointless song, the final song of the album, Bookended by pointlessness, this album. Uh, it's it's simply entitled Outro. Fuck Limp Biscuit, man. Jesus. Ooh, I can put a Z in my name. I'm bad. I'm never gonna move out of Jacksonville. Living in fucking Hollywood. Huh. That was my first uh, rock slash rap album, so uh, kind of new for me the whole pop world. More extraterrestrial voiced bollocks to finish this album. Um, what? <laughs> it makes me laugh that that Ben Stiller has sort of got this reputation as being a bit of a sort of family comedian, like the Night of the Museum films and all the other stuff he's done, and yet he's front and center on a Limp Biscuit album. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. And and the opening line, I guess, he has on this song is, fuck Limp Biscuit." <laughs> so, yeah, we, we get the, the alien outro and then we go into a spoken word section, conversation between mm. Stiller and Fred Durst. 
Where apparently Mark Wahlberg is here as well, although I didn't hear him. I think that's in the telephone conversations right at the end. I think he might oh. be the final conversation. Okay. But right. uh, there's also a guy that they have a telephone conversation with who I literally have no idea who he is. Have you got um, his name? Or? No. Uh, oh, wait, do I? Yes, I do. Stephen Jenkins from no a band idea. called Third Eye Blind. Oh, I've heard Third Eye Blind. Shocking. Um, Semi-Charmed Life is a good song. Uh, <laughs> bloody live wire rocks Jacob <laughs> that was the name of the show you can still find it on Mixcloud uh, my favourite bit of this song it's song quote unquote <laughs> is um, when Bis- uh, Ben Stiller compares Limp Bizkit to Rod Stewart and <laughs> Rod Stewart it's all crazy thrash punk pop metal to you but it's somewhere up there in the annals you know up there with Rod Stewart and uh uh, uh, Rod Stewart is the biscuit man. How can we get Rod on a full episode? I wonder if there's an album we could dig out that's really bad. There is almost certainly a bad Rod Stewart album yeah. out there somewhere. Um, but yeah, this is really odd. And then, can we talk about the ending? Because this makes me feel sick. Um, are you talking about the ultimate troll at the oh. end here? Oh, this is rough. Um, so we have a, what is it, three to four minutes of actual conversation, and then there is one Ben Stiller laugh that is repeated oh. for, I want to say, about four minutes. walking back from uh, the station listening to this for the first time and I was like oh my god my phone is broken what's going on here I was in my kitchen and I had to stop what I was doing because this just made me feel uneasy because mm. something about repeated like... laughing isn't there <sighs> it's the bit where he breathes in really sharply uh... it's just like oh my... I don't like it I don't like it at all I've actually, I've, I've only listened to it once because I couldn't put myself through it again. It's horrible. I hate it so much. Uh, so that goes on for ages. And then... It goes on for so long. <laughs> and then and we... that's how it ends. To, to finish up, we get phone calls between uh... Durst, Stephen Jenkins and some other guy. Oh no, there is another guy who I have no idea who it is. Someone else. Oh, yeah. okay. Someone well, else. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> And then the actor, Mark Wahlberg, not to be confused with Matt Damon. Um, uh, And it's basically just phone calls talking about the pressures of touring and how terrible it is to be in the UK, which is sort of true. But um, (laughs) that's how the album ends. Um, Not the worst thing we have reviewed on Bad Things, but it's bloody tough going at points. (laughs) Um, On the whole, I think I enjoyed this. For actually or entertainment-wise? I don't know, because <laughs> I think when we look at the other things we've reviewed, especially albums, like Lulu is irretrievable. <laughs> Paula was just funny in some places, but there's nothing on there that I would ever listen to again. But on this album, we've got My Way, which is phenomenal. The One, which is phenomenal. We've got 
Take a Look Around, which I like. We've got Rolling, which I like. We've got sort of... There's other tracks on here which I don't hate. Like Hot Dog I hate because it's ridiculous and I would only ever play it as a joke. The DMX version of Rolling is atrocious. (laughs) Atrocious. Atrocious. Uh, The intro and outro are pointless. Uh, Everything else is kind of filler, but like... I don't think anything is massively offensive. Um, So I think on the whole, I'm going to have to say this isn't a bad thing. Wow. Because it's got my way on it. (laughs) I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm going to put my flag in the ground. This isn't a bad thing. I I cannot go that far. I I can amend the two tracks that I've, I've said that I like. Um, apart from that, it's thoroughly entertaining in its ridiculousness. The swearing <laughs> is hilarious. Um, but it is a bad thing for me. Wow. It's our first disagreement. First dis- We knew it was coming. We knew it was yeah. coming with this one. We, we knew it was going to be something to do with rock because I'm <laughs> me and you're you. So it's it's not surprising. But, you know, I had an absolute blast reliving my ch- my teenagehood listening to this. Uh, and I tell you what, the one, like, what an absolute gem you've discovered that. I, I'm, I've been, I've had that stuck in my head for weeks. I might have a little really? cry about the one after this, uh, <laughs> this record's done. But Jacob, what did the critics think of this album? Have you got any info for us? I do, yes. Well, Metacritic, it's got a 49 out of 100, which isn't great, is it? <laughs> Better than Paula. And Lulu? And Lulu, yeah. Yeah. So it is the best reviewed album we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we've got a review here from your boy, uh, Stephen Thomas Erlewine from All Music. Um, He gave it a two out of five, which is fair. I can can understand why people don't like this. Um, I think this is probably more divisive than bad for me. Um, and his quote is, Now, undoubtedly, there are some fans that will empathise with Durst, but the question is, will it re- really resonate with them? After all, everyone feels rage after being dumped by their significant other, but does everyone live in a world where they feel like they're attacked on all sides? Come to think of it, they do, but Durst's vision on chocolate starfish is so insular, it's hard for anyone else, even his bandmates, to come inside. <laughs> There's an innuendo more... in there somewhere. <laughs> Um, there's far more effort than I would put into reviewing this album Um, clearly this is a man who understands music on a very different plane than me Um, but I think it did resonate with a lot of people because everyone was really bored in the year 2000 because nothing was happening couple more reviews that I've got Rolling Stone three and a half out of five that is surprising like not not that because I disagree with it because I just would not expect that high like that's 70 percent yeah, uh, the funniest line from their review, Fred Durst is nowhere near as full of shit as you wish he were, <laughs> and nowhere near as unmusical as he probably deserves to be, which That's made me incredible. laugh. Uh, wow. And then Robert Chris Gow, the, the, who is referred to as the Dean of American Music Critics, um, he, he does like one to two line reviews of albums, and they mm. often don't make sense, and they're pretty funny. Uh, minimal sexism duty jokes for corporate America and the best rapping money can borrow. That's great. Um, and he I hilariously like chose the two rap centric songs as his favorites, but you never know whether he's just shitting on his own reviews or uh, not. So, okay. But Nathan, the most important statistic 
the final fuck count. Yes. What do we? What do you we want got? it? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do some maths here because there is there 15 songs on this album. I think it's 15. Yeah. Let's go 15. So in total, there are 164 fucks across <laughs> this album, and if we divide that by 15, that is if we round up 11 fucks per song. Wow. Which is that's... actually as high as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I thought I was expecting 20-something. Yeah, and then I guess so. This, if we say this album's 75 minutes, then that's an average of one fuck. Uh, oh, no, hang on. Is that... I'm doing. I'm bad at maths here. That's that's 2.19 <laughs> fucks per minute. <laughs> 2.19. Uh, yeah, Fred, Which he's is... a bit meek, isn't he, Fred? That's what a poor showing. <laughs> Come on, Fred, up your game. Uh, we've been recording for so long. This is ridiculous. We're going to whistle, do a whistle-stop tour now of the post-chocolate starfish limp biscuit cannon. Um, this is really going to be whistle-stop because yes. these songs were shit. <laughs> one is a quick mention to a song I don't actually mind uh, called Crack Addict um, which is a theme for another wrestling event Um, it's pretty abject outside of that context but it's really enjoyable to watch wrestling and listen to this song at the same time. Album 4 which could go on a list later on if people are into this episode (laughs) the follow up, Um, the sequel the fourth album, Results May Vary, a horrendously (laughs) reviewed album very prophetic the, album by the sounds of it. The results didn't vary. <laughs> um, 33 out of 100 on Metacritic. Um, first single from this is called Eat You Alive. Uh, hmm. Just a nothing rehash for me of everything Limp Biscuit had done before. I reckon you like this one, though. <laughs> I don't know a lot about it, to be honest. I listened to it maybe once, I think, uh, for our review. Um, it was fine. Um, but yeah, like I, I think after Starfish, I think Limp Bizkit definitely like split a lot of their fan base. People either loved them or they just saw them as a joke. Mm. So I think anything that came after Starfish was going to get bad reviews. And then we've got another cover to talk about. I'm going to get slightly mm-hmm. less personally offended by this one. Uh, t- Limp Bizkit did a cover of Behind Blue Eyes by The Who. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man, behind blue eyes. And no one knows what it's like to be hated, to be faded, to telling only lies. But my dreams, they aren't as empty as my conscience. I'm already not really blown away by this song or The Who in general, but this is horrible. I really like this song. Oh my god. Stop <laughs> records, it's done. <laughs> 
Look, I, I think this is the best Fred uh, sounds vocally. I like the production. It, I don't know how this is the same band that did Hot Dog. Um, I think this is a really nice version of this song. <laughs> what did you think of the strange interlude sort of midway through with the, uh, once again, a kind of computerised voice? Mm. Uh, is it a bridge? You would call, I don't know what you would call it, really. I, I think you'd call it a, a bridge, yeah, or an interlude, as you put it in the script. I, I like it. Yeah, I, think I want, I want to hear your impression of it. <laughs> I didn't know this was the lyric. It just sort of goes, I, 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 just sort of does that for a bit. I like it. I like this song. I think I've paid for this song in the past. Did you wait up at midnight like uh, you did with Engelbert? If you love someone, stick it up your yeah. <laughs> they probably would if they love you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the Starfish Navigation System. Uh, oh, Christ. Let's talk uh, about Gold Cobra. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about the brand of beer that Nathan bought from the Bargain Booze in Dudley. Oh, you Cobra. <laughs> Album five. We're we're up to twenty eleven. One of the most boring Limp years. still of my life. going in twenty eleven. Uh, as I said before, nothing happened in twenty eleven for me. It was really boring. <laughs> um, and unsurprisingly, both the singles off here did very little for me. I mean, I don't know what people are getting from this music at this point. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm getting from one of the this next song, "Ready to Go," because this is yep. also on my running playlist. This is so over the top. Go fuck yourself! The opening line is, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> What's that, 165 now? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then um, after that, it's back, it's the motherfucking rock god. I'm so poker-faced, ladies going gaga. That's right, it's Freddie D, the public enemy, the one that's got Britney dropping to her knees. Just Britain? Or Britney? Britney. <laughs> Not Britain. Fred Durst, the secret financier of the uh, Leave EU campaign. <laughs> Take back control! <laughs> oh, what yeah. was the official campaign to leave called? I can't remember. What are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> One line that made me laugh for two reasons. Uh, they say we're drinking gin, which is not mm. a very rock and roll drink. <laughs> it's it's just, just to put it in context, it's my favourite drink, right, gin. So... Um, we drink a gin out of a nasty little glass with a raspberry in it. <laughs> that that is that is my that is my bag. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like they say we're drinking jizz, which I think, is, <laughs> and it would be an incredible end to this story. <laughs> Fred Durst just came out on one of his songs. <laughs> we're drinking jizz. <laughs> oh, drinking jizz. Oh, <laughs> straight from the oh, starfish navigation system. Oh um, God. Uh, yeah, this song's oh, really dear. funny. It is entertaining. Yeah. It's terrible. It's really it's funny. It's got Lil Wayne on it as well. Yeah. Um, oh, Lil Wayne. Oh, we might have to get a Lil Wayne album in there. 
Um, I think Lil it's... Wheezy, that's my partner. We drinking Russian vodka. About to take your bitch because she ain't ever fucked a rock star. <laughs> and we're drinking jizz. A-, a sad end to this story. We're still awaiting Limp's next album, which is officially, uh, supposedly, <laughs> officially and supposedly don't really go together, but they do when it's heard Limp Biscuit. Supposedly called Stampede of the Disco Elephants. <laughs> um. What an album name. Which has been in developmental hell for nearly a decade. Um, is Ready is to Go to... on Gold Cobra or is it due to be on Stampede? I can't remember what it's on. I think it was a standalone. Okay. Um, I know that Limp Biscuit they had a dispute with their record label and then they signed for Lil Wayne's record label and that's why he's on that song. But okay. I don't like, I just know this album is called Something Ridiculous and uh, you've reminded me that it is a ridiculous title. <laughs> Um, Jacob, this has been an absolute blast. Love a bit of the biscuit to talk oh. about. Um, the biscuit. The biscuit. The, what was hell. it? Dick, what, split dick slit? <laughs> split dick slit. <laughs> Vote for me in Gastonia. <laughs> so you don't that like that, it. you can stick it up your yeah. <laughs> That's the campaign slogan. <laughs> Increase taxes, it. stick it up your yeah. <laughs> stick it up your yeah. Nathan, um, just round this up. I've gone mad. I've gone absolutely mad. <laughs> that is it for this mammoth album, this bonkers band. <sighs> um, one of my favourite journeys to go through, I think, along with the Robin Thicke stuff and Wagner. Like, I've really enjoyed researching this one. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> but what musical maelstrom would you like us to review next? Uh, we've got four options here, two of which are maybe a little bit controversial for you okay. to choose from next time starting off with our second place entry from the previous music part this is episode 11 by the way should confirm mm. that uh this is for episode 11 um as per usual the second place entry from our last time gets another shot um this is uh, justin timberlake's attempt to combine r&b with americana and creating a buffet of shit <laughs> i'd like to thank the needle Trop, uh, on youtube for coming up with that line uh, this is going to be Justin Timberlake's Man of the Woods. Not a terribly reviewed album, as we said before. I think it's rubbish. Yeah, you really want to review this, don't you? Yeah, this will be getting my pick next time around. <laughs> um, perhaps an even dodgier pick, though, is uh, the second choice on here. Um, Lady Gaga's Art Pop. Yeah. Um, not a terribly reviewed album, but absolutely peak mental Gaga and in my opinion, one of the greatest missteps in pop history. Thank goodness wow. for Joanne, A Star is Born, Chromatica, etc., etc. Um, this is not going to be the worst reviewed thing. Well, you might think it is, Jacob. I don't know anything about this album. Um, uh, I really don't know much about this point in her career. Um, I think this is probably not going to win the poll, but we'll see. <laughs> Thank you for your faith in my selections. <laughs> Um, option three, he wasn't a Louis boy, apologies again for the xenophobia, but he could be <laughs> ours as we chart the X Factor journey of one Owen Quigg. Don't say it, Jacob. I'm not going to say it. Don't it's be been offensive. Said in, it's been said enough. Including a discussion on his album. So option three for you is Owen Quigg's X Factor journey, and then we'll talk about his debut album as well. And okay. then option four, we are entering Rogan territory. Um, option oh four uh, oh is going to I've be graffiti 
by Chris Brown, recorded around the same time as Brown was charged with assaulting Rihanna. This is a horrifically reviewed album without even considering the context of that time. Jeez. Wow. We're going after some big names here. Yeah, we'll be we'll be careful. We'll tread on eggshells. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, wow. Um, I don't know which one of those I prefer. Um, None of I them. Quig... <laughs> <laughs> I think um, yeah, Owen Quigg is probably the easiest to poke fun at. Um, Chris Brown will have to talk very, very carefully about. Um, but I think that would be a very interesting one to talk about if people are comfortable with us talking about that. Uh, Justin Timberlake sounds ridiculous and Lady Gaga is mad. So I think we're good either way, you know. Sweet. So, yeah, that poll will be available shortly after uh, this episode comes out. Um, but, Jacob, what are we reviewing next? In a shocking turn of events, the runner-up of the previous poll has not won this time around. It's the first time win for... It's like when it's like when you go on Pointless and, it, and those couples that are on the first time get straight to the final. Um, yeah, the geeks. <laughs> yeah, this is the geek of bad things. Uh, this is a show that I, I don't know how we're going to get our hands on it. I think there's a DVD... Uh, there's a whole season of shite to get through here. It's a terribly reviewed animated sitcom. Let's go to the circus. Let's dive into the world of alcoholic tigers and gay elephants. Father of the Pride has won, Nathan. And I I am intrigued, excited and confused. Yeah, I was looking up how to get hold of this, actually. And I think there is... I, I initially saw a Region 1 DVD on Amazon. Remember then, that was a thing. <laughs> when you accidentally bought a Region 1. <laughs> Um, but I think there is a European version of this DVD as well, and also countless amounts of episodes on YouTube. I couldn't oh, find the finale, which is a little bit worrying. Oh, balls. Okay, right. Well, this could go one of two ways then. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're doing next month. We'll see you in October for Father of the Pride. Jacob, a few things to clear up before we dash, sweeping <laughs> the rest of the bad thing content up from the floor. <laughs> Don't step <laughs> in the shit, kids. Um <laughs> Uh, the Corp Rock Tournament carries on. Yes. <laughs> We're in round two now. I think round two might have even finished by the time this comes out. Yes. Uh, once again, thanks to anyone voting in this. It's been an absolute blast. Basically, uh, we are now in the uh, quarterfinal stage. We, yeah, we might be heading towards the semis by the time uh, this comes out, where we uh, ask you to decide uh, which of... Uh, where we ask you to decide which two terribly inauthentic uh, 80s rock corporate sounding songs um, should go through to the next round. We don't care how you vote. It's a load of fun. I vote for my least favourite. I don't like any of them, but I vote for my <laughs> least favourite in this poll. Um, and we're nearly there. We're nearly at the final. It's basically wow. the World Cup final uh, when this comes around. I think we it will have get... been about 15 weeks by the time we have finished. We didn't get the Euros this year. We didn't get Wimbledon. We didn't get the Olympics, but we got the Corp Rock Tournament. Thank God. And thank you, yeah, to everyone who has voted equally uh, as this is now coming to a close. If there's anything else that you'd like us to run as a reaction tournament, because I've had a great time doing this and it's been really nice to see the interaction from our fans. If you've got any idea that we could somehow link into bad things for our next reaction tournament, do drop us a line uh, you can either give us an email. Do you remember when we used to plug the email, Nathan? We've not done oh that in a while. Oh, my God. 
what is it bad things at gmail.com do you still i haven't been on that since about november i can't remember yeah not november last year I think what's is the it password bad <laughs> <laughs> oh god maybe not the email then message us on facebook uh we are bad things the podcast on facebook uh, or you can slide into our dms on instagram and twitter where we're at bad things pod Big thank you, of course, to Jenny Pettigan, who's keeping that ship afloat. She's wonderful, as is Becky Stolworthy, who still has a broken graphics pen, but she's still wonderful anyway, because she's done all our amazing artwork, and without her, we would be nothing. China's still struggling there to supply, <laughs> supply the, the pen. Um, get, get, get there soon, pen. Um, Come on, pen. And that is it. Another Bad Things podcast comes to an end. Thanks so much for listening and putting up with Fred Durst's anger for as long as you have. And we will see you for the first episode in double figures. Episode 10 next month. Jacob, thank you for all your help behind the scenes. Thank you for being here on this wondrous Sunday where we're recording this. Um, And I hope you had a blast. I had such a good time. I had such a good time. Thank you very much, Nathan, for putting this all together. And yeah, we'll see you next time. See you later, guys, and stay back. Yeah!